you mentioned the newspapers across the country. Um, you know, we're, this is a time when, um, they're, they are having hard times. We are having hard times, but I don't think that we are, there's as much news to cover as there ever was. And the importance of having good quality information that's fact checked, that has people standing behind it is more, is so important. There's a lot of information out there that is, you know, half truths or out and out lies, um, people that are taking sides and, and, um, you know, a, I think a true journalist is, is tries, it's the, it's to try to get the truth and to, and to put that truth in people's hands. Welcome to the Feel Good Running Podcast, where our goal is to keep you motivated, inspired, and energized. As a runner, or perhaps you are looking for the right motivation to become one, you've definitely found the right place. We share inspirational stories from real runners, motivating running-related information, and much more to help you feel good about your running. And now your host, and a longtime Feel Good Runner himself, Jim Lynch. Well, hello, runners, and welcome to episode number 13. That's right, lucky number 13. My name is Jim Lynch. This is my podcast, Feel Good Running, and I'd like to welcome you. If you are brand new, thanks for checking us out. And if you're a regular listener, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your support and hope you are continuing to share this with your running friends and through social media. So it's just about summertime and it gets warm out there, but I know that everybody is enjoying after that long winter that you had on the mainland, putting on your light running gear, your shorts and short sleeve shirt and just going out and enjoying some beautiful outdoor running. It might be with your running group on a road, it might be a bike trail, or maybe even you're doing some trail running, but just enjoy this time. It's it's a great time of the year to run and a good time to reflect on your spring races if you ran races and how you're doing this year with your running. And then, of course, planning your fall races. Many of you may be already signed up for some. Some of them you really have to be signed up for because you were in a lottery or whatever, such as the Chicago Marathon or New York Marathon. Anyways, enjoy the summer. Enjoy your running. I hope you have a, a wonderful time injury free and uh, just in, enjoy the outdoors. The outdoors are just wonderful. All right. My guest this episode is Matthew Thayer. Now, you're probably wondering, who is Matt there? Well, first and foremost, Matt is a good friend of mine. And there is an extremely interesting story about our history, which you'll have to wait till our conversation to hear about that. He is also the photojournalist for the Maui News, and he's held that position for 39 years. And for those of you that are not on Maui, the Maui News is the newspaper here on the island. And Matt is also a published author. Yeah, he is a very talented individual and he's a doggone good friend. But this is a fun episode. He really brings a great perspective into journalism and how it's evolved over the years and his perspective of journalism in this day and age. And we talk a lot about his experiences on Maui over his 39 years with the Maui News and some of the highlight pictures that he's taken and stories that he's covered and experiences that he's had over the several years. I really, truly believe you're going to find our conversation very interesting. So that's coming up a little bit later in the show. You're going to love Matt and uh, that'll be coming up in just a little bit. So don't miss it. 
All right. So if you listened to my last episode, you probably heard me make reference to the missing runner out here, Amanda Eller. And it was probably about seven or eight days into the search for her that I recorded that piece and I did not sound very optimistic. We've had missing women out here on Maui and uh, some have never been found. And also, uh, you know, some have been killed. Such was the case with a woman named Charlie Scott, whose mom was part of the search efforts for Amanda. So if you go for a run in the forest or the woods by yourself on trails and you leave your cell phone, your keys, your purse, your backpack and your water, and you've been missing for eight days, automatically you would assume the worst. I think that's what everybody out here thought. They were thinking the worst. I know I was. Because that's human nature. You automatically assume the longer it takes, the longer somebody's missing in an environment like that, you know, the odds are reduced that we found alive. Well, 17 days later, by a last minute stroke of luck, by the helicopter circling outside of the search area, they did find her and she survived for 17 days alive. And it's been quite a, quite a story out here on the island. And, you know, of course... Everybody has their own opinions, but the bottom line is, is that the woman was found alive. And of course, we're all grateful for that outcome. At the same time, which also made national news, there was another person missing out here, and his name is Noah Kakai Mana. He was up in Iao Valley, went for a hike, and he never came back. And there was a, a search effort for Kikai, and um, unfortunately, that did not go well. They did find him, and he was not alive. What makes me personally sad about Kikai is that besides the loss of his life, I also personally know his mom, Irene. She helps us out at the Maui Marathon doing an aid station and also provides the food for the finish line. And uh, when I found out, I was just, just sad. Sad for Irene, sad for the family. We go from a very high moment of finding Amanda into a low moment of losing Kekai. So it's been quite a couple weeks here on the island. So there is a point in why I'm mentioning all of this to you. I am currently working on an episode with some of the key search and rescue people that were involved in both of these individual searches. And how does it fit into running? Well, Amanda did go to Makawa Forest Reserve to go for a run. So that is the running connection. Now, I'm not sure what the regulations are where you're located at, but here on Maui, the police and fire department have 72 hours that they can devote to a search and rescue effort. And then after that, they discontinue. But what happens then? There's still somebody missing out in the forest and they all left. So that's when, at least in this case, private citizens jumped in. We are a small community here on Maui and people care. This was all impromptu. This whole search effort by these amazing people that stepped forward. Arborist Chris Burquist, the team leader. Javier Cantalops, a former Special Ops Army Ranger and scuba instructor. Ilana Prey, a repelling guide. And Troy Helmer, a local hunter that knows the Makawa Forest Reserve very well. And Amanda's parents, John and Julia Eller, who relied on these individuals to use their skills 
skills and put together search teams to find their daughter hopefully alive. None of these folks ever gave up and every single day people showed up to Makawa Forest Reserve to look for Amanda. So the episode that I'm putting together is going to be what do you do in a situation like this? There's a lot of people that trail run in the United States and all over the world and you could easily get lost. So what do you do? What do you do when the professionals leave? And that's what the episode is all about. I'll be speaking with some of the search team leaders that put this search together very rapidly to look for Amanda and Kikai. They never gave up. They never gave up hope. When a lot of people were thinking the worst, they kept going day after day after day. And we'll focus on recommendations that they can provide to you in the event that there is a missing person in forest or woods and wherever you're located at, if you encounter the same type of situation that we did here on Maui. And of course, they'll provide recommendations on if you're planning on going for a trail run or a hike on what you need to prepare for before you go out. And it's really for your safety and your protection in order for you to survive and have the best odds possible to be found in the event that you would get lost. So I'm really looking forward to bringing that episode to you. Plan on about four to six weeks and be on the lookout for it. All right, let's move Move on with some motivational and inspirational news, which is condensed to one story this episode, so we can get you to Matt Thayer's interview, and it's a good one, so you don't want to miss it. So stick around. Searching anywhere and everywhere, here is this episode's Feel Good Running News. Well, runners, you know the theme of feel-good running is for the everyday runner. Now, that does not mean you run every day, but that you are a regular runner like most of us. That is, unless you are 68-year-old Southern California runner John Sutherland. Well, take a seat and strap yourself in because John actually does run every day. And when I mean every day, I mean every day. He has run every single day since, are you ready? Ready? May 26, 1969. You have got to be kidding me. Now let's put this into perspective. John, he's 68 years old, started his streak when Richard Nixon was the president. The Apollo 10 astronauts just returned to Earth from circling the moon. Yes, we did not even land on the moon yet. That mission was a dress rehearsal. Led Zeppelin's first album was released. Iron Butterfly and Agata DeVita album was on top of the charts and the Beatles song Get Back was number one on the singles charts. In TV land, Rowan and Martin's Laughing and the Brady Bunch were the top TV shows. And the number one movie in 1969 was the X-rated movie Midnight Cowboy. Yeah, that got an X rating. Now, I realize that many of you listening were years from being born, and some of this may be foreign to you, but I'll bet, I'll bet there's some of you that remember and even lived through those times. Now, John was a baseball player, but found running and liked it better. He was 18 when he started his running streak and has logged roughly 197,000 miles, give or take a few. Now, as all of us runners know, if you run 197,000 miles, it would be tough to be married and have a family. Either you would never see them or they would not accept you. They'd leave you. Well, John has never been married and run 
runners are his family. I did not know this, but there is actually a U.S. Running Streak Association, not to be confused with the Running Streakers Association. It's another term from way back then. Google if you don't know what a streaker is. So in order to comply with the guidelines, John thoroughly documented over 18,250 of his runs and has kept track of his life in journals. He has them all and could tell you everything from each and every day. Oh yeah, John actually does not hold the world record yet. Ron Hill, a British Olympian and the 1970 Boston Marathon winner, holds that. He has run 52 years and 39 days. His streak ended in 2017, and yes, he is still living. Now, John has had his share of injuries throughout the years and has run through all of them. Broken bones, broken ribs, fractured back, but he still kept going. Now, in order for John to graduate from being the first American to reach 50 consecutive years of running at least a mile a day to being the actual world champion, he will need to keep running another two plus years through July 4th, 2021. Now what a celebration that will be if he reaches that goal. And I think he will. He's still young enough. He's only 68. So John, keep going, man. You are an inspiration to all of us. And now it's time to welcome this episode's very special running guest. Okay, runners, it's time for this episode's conversation, and I know you're going to enjoy it. This is a running podcast, but from time to time, I like to mix it up and sometimes bring on guests where we drift to other subjects besides running. Like I mentioned earlier, Matt Thayer is the photojournalist for the Maui News, the newspaper here on Maui, and has been for 39 years. He has covered everything from serious news, government, murder trials, PGA tournaments, concerts, celebrities and just the everyday lives of local Maui residents and tourists that are visiting the island. He graduated from Kent State University with a degree in journalism. Now, Matt has won numerous awards, but the highlight would be the national first place in best spot news photojournalism from the Suburban Newspapers of America in 1988, and that was for his coverage of the miracle landing of Aloha Airlines Flight 243. Google that. It's fascinating. He also received a citation from the Associated Press for that national coverage. Matt is a published author with his five-book series science fiction novel, 30,000 BC Chronicles. And you can see Matt's photos almost daily in the Maui News. And if you're not on the island, you can go to MauiNews.com and be able to see his pictures there. I personally think that he has one of the best jobs ever. So enjoy my conversation with my friend and the very talented Matthew Thayer. My uh, bio that you gave, and you said all those nice things about me, right? No, no, I didn't say anything <laughs> nice about you. Oh, boy. It's going to be a hatchet job. Okay. It is going to be a hatchet job. Ready. We're already started. Oh, good. So, and Matt, I, I have known you, but not known you because we grew up in the same area. And where would that be? We grew up in Harbor Creek, Pennsylvania, a little suburb of... Erie, Pennsylvania. Yeah. The mistake on the lake. The mis- well, hey, if we have any Erie listeners, that's oh, wait, not very wait, nice. Wait, 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 I mean, I know you've been out here for all your life, but come on, let's not diss our hometown. No, I loved Erie. I well, still I enjoy going too. back there, yeah. 
That's a nice place. Yeah. Okay. Now you're flipping back. Can we start <laughs> over on this? <laughs> Uh, so anyways, you and I, uh, we have, we have some history here. We went to the same high school, Harbor yes, Creek High. Yes, we did. And we graduated in the same year, which we won't say that year because I don't want listeners to know. It's know, in Roman age. numerals. It's so old. It, it is. It, you know, when you, when you go in and you spin back what you were, you were born, it's like uh, spinning the wheel of fortune thing, you know. It uh, which just I was on going. wheel of fortune. I was. So you were athletic. In high school, if I remember correctly, right? Yes. Um, I always enjoyed sports and competing. Uh, and so, yeah, I was on the, the baseball team, the swim team, and the golf team. So you were considered a jock back then? Uh, I guess so. Well, I, you know, I, I was also athletic. I would sprint between classes to have a cigarette. <laughs> that was my, my sports. Uh, you were a bowler, a kegler. I was a kegler. I, yes. That was my thing back then, kegling, <laughs> not uh, drinking kegling, uh, but, but bowling. Yeah. So, so anyways, for the listeners, Matt and I, we uh, went to the same high school together, same class and didn't even know each other. I knew of you because you were a jock and kind of known. And then um, I'll tell a story, tell a story about how we actually hooked up and met. Uh, it was years ago. How many years ago was it? It's got to be about 10 years, I think. Well, uh, I would come out here on vacation every year. And I lived in Denver at the time. And I was looking at the Maui News and you wrote an article. And it was an article about upcountry. I, I don't know exactly what the premise of the article was, but it was good. And then I saw your name there. And I remembered somebody from our class said that you lived here on Maui. And so I figured, what the heck, I'll reach out and see. And you had a, your Maui news email in there. And I went ahead and I sent you an email and I said, are you the Matt Thayer from Harbor Creek? And you said, go Huskies. <laughs> we met you and your wife and me and my wife at the time for a uh, happy hour. And the rest is history. Yeah, you invited us down to, uh, you know, where you guys had your timeshare. And uh, I was impressed. You had all these friends. You had more friends on Maui than I did, I think. And uh, actually introduced us to, to some cool people. And uh, it was always nice to have you come back every spring for your... Then you ended up moving here, which was awesome. Nice mm -hmm. to have you back on Maui. Have you living here? Have me living here, yeah. It's been, been a nice ride. You moved here um, after you graduated from college in Ohio, Kent State, 39 years ago or 40 years ago? Uh, I did my internship for the Maui News in 1980. And I... Um, I that's where I wanted to work. The Maui News was a little three-day-a-week paper, and uh, but it was growing. It was full of ads. And uh, before long, it was five days a week. And then uh, when they went to six days a week, they hired me as a full-time as a sports writer. And so I, um, I was a sports writer for six years uh, before I was, uh, you know, they changed me to full-time photojournalist writing and doing photography. And uh, sports writing was a great opportunity for me to learn about the trade, to, how to do things right, you know, get it right the first time, layout, deadlines. Oh, the deadlines were crazy. But uh, yeah, it was just the, the way to make it happen on Maui. And your degree at, in, at Kent State was? Photojournalism. 
And when you came out here, did you originally get with the Maui News or did you have a period of time before you got with the Maui News? I had about an, a year where um, I was freelancing for the newspaper. They'd pay $10 a photo and uh, I'd fill in when Wayne Tanaka would take a vacation. I would I would run the darkroom during that time. But I was, there was a little Walden bookstore at Maui Mall. I worked there. I was doing freelance uh, for, you know, different magazines and whatever I could find work. It's one of the things for, with photographers on Maui, um, you've got to be a jack of all trades. If somebody says, can you shoot uh, food? Yes. Can you do an event? Oh, yeah. You know, whereas like in big cities, um, you'll have the guy who's the, the water guy or the fire guy or the, you know, the new clothing guy and uh, woman. And uh, so you've, um, you, you know, just on Maui, there aren't that many many jobs, many assignments. So you take whatever you can, but I've been fortunate. I've been a, you know, a full-time staffer at the paper for 38 years. You've seen a lot of changes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm the, you know, the Maui, uh, we, we stand on the shoulders of the journalists that came before us, but they've, they, we still, uh, it's changed. Um, but people still respect the Maui news. They trust it. And so the access that I get is amazing. And people welcome me into their lives, tell me their stories um, they, um, accept, you know, they're, they know that the, the Maui news is not going to, you know, give them a raw deal that we, we have integrity and, uh, you know, we're not going to make them look bad. Obviously if you're, you know, a criminal or you've done something wrong, we're not going to protect you like that. But, you know, if you, you let us come into your, your realm and take photos, you know, we're not going to, like, like we were saying, this is going to be a hatchet job, this interview. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, we don't, it's not going to be a hatch. No, I'm sure it's not. And, uh, but yeah, so I, I get to see so much and Maui has changed a lot, but it's still, what makes Maui great is it's people, it's creativity, it's positivity. Uh, this Island accepts, you know, people, if they bring energy, if they bring respect and it rejects them, if they don't. You know, it, it, this is going to be very good uh, conversation for our listeners because a lot of people aspire to take a vacation here on Maui and a lot of people have been here, but they're going to get a, a more in-depth view of Maui through our conversation today, which I think is really awesome. And it's primarily because you probably know more about this island than just about anybody because you've been on every single inch of it. Um, before, before we get into anything further, um, why Maui? How did you decide to come to Maui? Well, I was, I'm fortunate that my brother and my sister preceded me here. My brother, um, he got his MBA from the University of Hawaii. I think it was, uh, 68, 69, something like that. Moved back to New York City for a couple years to work in a big, big, um, accounting firm and really felt, okay. Hawaii is where I want to be. So he and his wife, they moved back to Maui and he started um, an accounting firm in the early 70s. So uh, my brother was established here. My sister was here. And uh, before my senior year of college, I was looking around for, you know, where, where am I going to find a job in the newspaper industry? And my my brother had me come out and do slave labor. He was building a house up in Keokea. And so I came for the summer to, to be, you know, do concrete work and trim trees or, you know, pull out trees. And so um, I saw this little newspaper, the Maui News. I thought, yeah, that would be a cool place to work, you know, and, uh, and on Maui. And I loved it. 
So I went back home and um, went back to college and said, I'm, I'm going to Maui. I'm, that's where I'm going to work. So I, I sent my portfolio to Mrs. Cooper, who was the managing editor at the paper, uh, saying I wanted to do an internship. And um, I got it back right away saying, no, we're not doing internships this year. But um, I called back and I had the good sense to not call Mrs. Cooper. I called somebody else. I called Dave Hoff and told him what I, you know, what I want to do. And he said, well, we, we have freelancers. If you want to do freelance, we could, we could work it that way if your, your um, professors will agree to that. And in those days, back in the, this was the late 70s, uh, so many, you know, back in the Rust Belt, back where we were from, right. the two newspaper towns were becoming one newspaper towns, the Pittsburghs, the Clevelands, even Erie had two newspapers when we were kids, an afternoon and a morning paper. And there was a consolidation going on. And so there were a lot of people with lots of experience, journalists that could not find work. And so these kids coming out of college, we didn't have any opportunity to, it was very scarce opportunities. So uh, I came to Maui and just happened to hook up with this little paper that was growing leaps and bounds. And uh, so we, you know, the Maui News was really gung-ho for, a, a, you know, a good 20 years. Uh, and then, you know, this industry is not a growth industry anymore. Right. Uh, with all the challenges that we have with the internet and, you know, different news sources. And it comes down to advertising dollars. But um I met my wife at the paper. That's right. And, uh, Kelly, yes. We've been married for 31 years mm. and um, great kids. And it's a, you know, it's a really good place to work and good. Uh, I, I love, I love going to work. I love, I don't know, you know I never know what I'm going to see or, or do. I covered a fire yesterday and uh, today I'm going to, I've got a few different things that I'm doing, but um, tennis, I'm going to fire training with the fire department. They're going to take me out in the cane fields where they're, they're doing a controlled burn. Um, got a softball game tonight talking to you. Well, that's the most important thing of the day is <laughs> talking to me. The highlight of the year. What are you talking highlight about? Highlight of the year. <laughs> so in your career, early on in your career, I believe it was uh, April of 1988, you covered an actual story that made national news here on Maui. And uh, you actually got your photo uh, nationally recognized on that. Tell me about that story. Well, I guess I count myself lucky to be a journalist that the biggest story I ever covered was a miracle. But it was the um, old, you know, longtime Maui people may remember the miracle landing of Aloha Airlines Flight 243. That was the, the crippled jetliner that lost a big section of its roof while it was flying over Kaholawe and um, flying from Hilo to Oahu and, uh, it diverted to Maui and the jet had no, no business landing. It, it's amazing the the pilots, the pilot and the co-pilots showed such great skill. Um, only one person lost their life. CB Lansing. Um, she was sucked out the, the hole, um, in the, in the fuselage and, um, the, the passengers actually held other flight attendants down. They were doing drink service. So they weren't, you know, they weren't in their seats or so people were holding them down. And then they got down, the, the pilots got down to a lower elevation or altitude and uh, slowed down. So I was, um, I was in the newsroom and my boss said, Hey, there's something going on at the airport. You better get down there and check it out. And, um, so I, as I was driving down, I was getting passed by ambulances and fire trucks going a hundred miles an hour. And it's like, okay, this is big. 
and, uh, you know, got to the airport and there was a security guy said, okay, you guys, media, stay, you know, stay here where we couldn't see anything. And I was like, nah, I ain't staying here. So these were different times. You kids at home don't do this, but I jumped an airport fence and, you know, down by Kanaha, crawled to the Holikoa and, and got out and it saw this plane with its big, the roof torn off. And so I shot a roll of film from there, from the bushes and hit a, hit a roll. Back in the film days. Back in the film. And I stuck that roll in my sock in case I got arrested because I was way out of bounds. Trespassing. Yeah. Well, you know, try hopping off an airport fence nowadays. Won't work. <laughs> but so I, uh, but they were, the, uh, the emergency responders were so focused on the passengers and, you know, getting them safe. And, um, it was actually when I arrived, they, the, the worst had already been transported. It was a triage situation. So the people that were, uh, ambulatory, they were still gathering them up to put them on a bus. So I, um, ran across the runway and, uh, took pictures and, uh, managed to make a few circuits of the plane, uh, before they, the last passenger was loaded up. And then all of a sudden they started going, uh, the police were like, when this big sergeant looked me in the eye and says, what are you doing here? And I said, oh, and I showed him my media badge and he goes, that doesn't get you out here. Get. And so he kicked me off on the other side of the airport. I said, my truck's over. He goes, get that way. So, um, within, I got managed. I had to get a ride back to the, to the newsroom and the phone started ringing almost immediately. Do you have photos? You know, it was Associated Press. It was the New York Times. It was so, um, they've sent a, uh, Honolulu advertiser photographer brought a, uh, machine to, uh, transport images. So, uh, it's the old, like a drum scanner kind of thing. They hook up to a phone line. So that was the first time I'd ever sent anything over the phone lines. It was a really new experience. And uh, my photos were, um, they ran front page of newspapers across the world. I had friends in Asia and, and, uh, Europe, you know, say, oh, that was on front page of our paper. I didn't take the best pictures that day. The best pictures were taken by a passenger who had the presence of mind to grab his camera before he went down the emergency slide. He got down there and he turned around and took pictures of, you know, color. I had, I'd only shot black and white, but his images didn't show up for a couple of days. So my, the only shots for the first couple of days. Can you imagine what it would be like nowadays they probably would have had pictures as they were in the air and everything that was going on inside and video too. It was a much different time. Oh yeah. He was the, the passenger was in the emergency room or at the, at the hospital and uh, that advertiser photographer, after he dropped off the scanner, he went up and he uh, made an announcement. Did anybody take any pictures? Does anybody have anything? And that passenger, he trusted um, the photographer. He gave him the, his role of film to get it processed. And I think he made a lot of money off that picture, the pictures that he took. Um, but it was, they were, they were really amazing shots. It had the, the pilot helping the passengers that are all bloody and, and the roofs torn off and, and all that. But, um, you know, those, those were really different times, you know, about as quick as you could do it. They had like those, uh, photo mats where you had a 60 minute photo, you know, you could go get your film processed. Right. Uh, this, uh, yeah, nowadays. And I, I love to see it. The, you, know, you, you see kids now with uh, their phones, they're making videos and they're, they're, they're so in tuned, many times too in tuned to their, their phones 
they're always looking at it as opposed to looking at life, I think. But um, they are creative and they are really, you know, doing some neat stuff with, oh, the, with their phones and they're making videos and, and, you know, songs and all that stuff. What did you do um, when, when you uh, got back? Did you go to the newspaper and you had to go into the dark room and develop those pictures? And how long did that take that day? Yeah. Yeah. I developed the, the film, the film, you know, developing was like a 30 minute thing. And then, mm. you know, there was always that, um, you know, nowadays we could, it's called chimping. When you look at the back of your camera to see whether you got the shot in those days, you didn't know, we wouldn't say we got a good shot. They'd ask, you know, somebody to ask you, did you get something? Maybe I'm not sure. You don't ever talk up a picture until you see it. Right. So that's that moment of when you've done processing and you, you've rinsed the film a little bit and you can take it out of the reel and look at it, look, hold it up to the light. And there was those pictures of the jet and they, they turned out, the film turned out and I got them and they were in focus. And so that was quite a feeling. Yeah, we were, we were the center of the news world for a few days, you know, and you get, it gets a heady feeling. You're working in a newsroom and everybody's, uh, working, you know, everybody's pulling the same direction, you know, we're working hard and trying to find the, the story angles and the Aloha Airlines had shut, shut us down. They weren't talking they'd hidden their, you know, sequestered the pilots. But it's a, as far as news, newspapering, it doesn't get any better than that. And, you know, it, and it was a miracle. You know, it could have been that tarmac could have been just littered with bodies and, and you know, broken, burned out jet. You look yeah. at my pictures, the bottom half of the jet is all twisted uh, you know, it very easily could have broken in half in the air or when they touched down. The pilots did a special kind of landing um, that is not the way you normally do it, but they came in with the flaps up or something that to keep the pressure on the back half of the jet. And uh, they were they did a pinpoint landing. It's it's amazing. I was living in Los Angeles at the time, and I remember that story. I think uh, every it, it was on the news. You know, you didn't have as much news as you do today, but you would see it on TV and then you would also see the newspaper, the L.A. Times had it on the front page to, you know, to see a, like a can opener opening the top of a, a plane. It was just unbelievable. I don't think anybody's ever seen anything like that before. And to have it be a miracle and everybody surviving except for the one flight attendant. We didn't know what, you know, what had happened. And I've, you know, you're thinking, is it a bomb? But the the lines were so square and it was a rivet failure. This is a big section of the jet just uh, gave way and it uh, peeled off and just flew off into the ocean or into the sky and it fell into the ocean. So it was, yeah, there was a, um, you know, you're wondering, is this a terrorist inc incident? You know, um, but, you know, the story came out. It was the, I covered that thing until the, you know, when they broke, you know, they, about a month later, they, they broke apart the jet. They took the, the, um, wings off. I can still hear them breaking them off. It sounded like glass, that aluminum breaking mm. the struts. And, uh, then they, for a while it was stored up in a, uh, dump up above where the hospital is, where Maui Lani is now just in the sand right. dunes. Yeah. And I have pictures of it, the fuselage up in there and. Um, but it was, you know, the story itself, it, it cooled after a few days, there was a cement plant that blew up in Texas. And all of a sudden that was the big news in the, the country. And it's, you know, you kind of, it's a come down a little bit, you know, you realize, okay, you know, we're back to covering, uh, the Cub Scouts and the high school sports and stuff. 
Yeah, you <laughs> went from a high, and I wouldn't say a low, but just everything came back to normal yeah, again. Back to normal, yeah. So what were a couple, aside from sports, because we'll get into that in a little bit, but what were a couple other highlight stories that you remember here on the island? Well, I've um, I've covered, you know, murder trials and hostage standoffs and tragic wrecks and um, I, you know, some things you see, I see people at their worst and their best, you know, as a journalist, how do you, how do you deal with that? Or do you look at it as a job and you got to do what you got to do with your job? Because some of that would be really hard for a normal person. Me, I know, you know, if I cut my finger, I, I'm sick to my stomach. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine some of the stuff that you've seen and then have to go and then shoot, you know, like a, a normal sporting event or something like that after you've seen a tragedy. Yeah, I think um, there is um, there's some things I've had to, I've seen that I had to go home and talk it out with my wife and maybe it stayed with me for a while. There was a horrific uh, crash where this family ran head on into a garbage truck on Mokalili Highway, four, five people killed. For some reason, the police officer says, okay, Matt, you got to see this, but you can't take any pictures. But there was, you know, they were picking up bits of body off the tarmac. Wasn't this recently? No, this one was quite a while ago. Oh, before was? Mokalili. It was just a two-lane road. Oh, trip, okay. There was a little baby that had been killed. Mm. Um, but, you know, we um, we do become sort of, I don't know what the word is, calloused, but we we... We can't let it affect us. Part of our job as, as journalists is we don't want to become part of the story. We're, we're detached from the story. I'm always so uh, impressed and uh, I admire the way that the first responders, you know, they show up, they stick their hands in the middle of the whatever's going on, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the blood and the gore. And they, they do such great jobs, what they do. My camera and my job, my, you know, I'm not supposed to get in. I have a couple of times when there was nobody else around that I did render aid or help people. Um, and, uh, you know, I think anybody would, if you, at that point, if you have to, and you know, you're the only one that can, you know, you know, being a journalist, we do, we, I'll be at the, at the courthouse and there's, you know, it's a murder trial going on. It's a person, what, you know, their freedom for the rest of your life is in hangs in the balance. And, you know, we ended up, we're talking to the court bailiffs or the attorneys come over and they, you know, talk shop for a while. And it is our job and it's, you know, and it's our workplace. And so, uh, I've learned, you know, I can't get too wrapped up in the, the emotion that I see and I, I convey it. I feel it. Uh, part of being a photographer's job is you've got to kind of be able to tell the future a little bit. You've got to say, okay, where's the store? Where's the angle that I can get my shot? What's going to happen? And so it's a lot about anticipation and, uh, you know, to get that angle, it's about getting close. Um, not long after that, I jumped the airport fence, there was a ammonia spill at Colony Harbor down by there. There was a tank that leaked and, uh, they had evacuated the area and I tried to sneak around to get a shot and I got in a cloud of ammonia and I had a headache for two days mm-hmm. I had to run to get out of that. And it really brought home that, okay, these, the, the police and the fire department, they're not working against me. They're trying to keep me safe too. And so there's always that hang, you know, way that the, how important is the story? How, you know, the need to get it. And then my own safety and, um, you know, my reputation with the, with the, 
the officials, you know, are they going to be, oh, that there's that guy again, he's sneaking around again. So I've, I've learned that um, respect and patience on this island goes a long way. And I've had, I've had um, police go, you know, Matt, if you come over this way, you'll get a better shot. Or I've gone up to roadblocks where there's a, an accident, you know, down the road and I'll go, okay, go ahead. Don't tell them I told you, go ahead though. Well, you got a good reputation out here and you've been, been with it for many, many years and people know you. Yeah. And if you don't burn people, right? So you, burn, you burn somebody once, this could be on this island, that could be it. You uh, know? Yeah, I, yeah, I hear you. So I hear you. So it's, you know, it's always being, like I said, patience and respect goes mm-hmm. a long way. So this is a running podcast. So we'll, we'll flip over to running for a little bit, but I do want to get hey, back. Let's, let's talk about running. Let's talk about running. And uh, I want to, what's interesting about having you on as a guest is you're going to give our listeners a perspective from another angle. They're out there running, but I want to hear a perspective from a photojournalist angle when they're covering races. But before that, you have run a marathon. You run two of them, right? That's right. Maui two, marathons. Two Maui marathons. What years were they? 99 and 2000. 99 and 2000. Yes. Right? And, and, um, what did, what did you think about not, not the marathon itself, but training and as you were going through the marathon, is it something that you enjoyed or was it something that you just wanted to get through and say, I did it? I loved it. Oh, I, and I finally got it. Why you guys love the training so much. It's that feeling of, of being empowered and strong and, you know, say, Oh, I'm going to go run six miles today. Nothing to it. Boom. You go do it. You get that diamond hard muscle in the, your calf that, uh, you know, that never, hurts never at some point before. during the race. Yeah. But it's, you know, the, um, what happened was I, cause I covered from 1981, I've covered almost every mile marathon and I was shooting the 98 race and, um, you know, we always look for, besides the winners, you know, there's, there's the, um, feature shots, you know, it's people that are maybe having a hard time or they're, you know, they got some kind of special clothing on They're you know, wearing a costume or something. Well, there was this, this really overweight black woman from Atlanta, Georgia, and she was the, the diabetes foundation was sponsored her to train her and brought her to Maui to do a marathon. And so she was like at about the 18 mile mark and struggling, but had the biggest smile. So I interviewed her, I talked to her and, you know, I took her picture and, and, you know, she said that she just loved what she was doing and, and she was so upbeat about it. And she was my inspiration. I've, I went home that night and I said, I'm going to do a marathon. And I had been, I had written a book and was trying to get it published. And I kept running into roadblocks. It was, I had no soak control over it. And it was just like, you know, you got to get an agent, you got to get a publisher. And I just wanted a, a, something that I had control over, a challenge that was up to me. And so um, I've, you know, I've, and I've done this before in my life. When I want to make sure I'm going to do something, I'll say I'm going to do it. So I told my buddies, yeah, I'm going to do next year's marathon, knowing that if I didn't, I was going to hear about it oh, yeah. forever. Hey, how's oh, that yeah. marathon going, Matt? Oh, yeah. So, um I went out and I couldn't run around my whole block. I'd run, run and walk, run and walk, you know? And, uh, but boy, you know, running as you runners know, you know, it's a, you build on that foundation and, and all of a sudden, yeah, around the block, around the next block and, you know, four miles, six miles. And, um, I just loved it. 
just love the, 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 the training and the, um, the way it made me feel. I, you know, every time I tried to add speed to it, uh, to, you know, re- reduce my times, I, I would, my knee and my hip would start to hurt me. And so both times at the, when I started the marathons for, for both years, I was nursing injuries and, uh, and I realized, okay, I, you know, I, I always wondered, what if I would have just stayed with 10 Ks, you know, maybe I'd still be running 10 Ks, but, um, I, I, well, I was, you know, thinking about this podcast, I think maybe I ought to go back and try running again, but I walk every day. I walk two miles every day at least. And, uh, that's, it gives me, you know, not quite the same physical fitness, but, um, it's good for the body and it doesn't hurt. I would suggest that if you do get back into it, to start off light with a little 5k race, we've got a couple of them here. However, you cover a lot of those races. Um, the one that, yeah. the one that uh, would be the next one on the island. Well, there's, there's a couple coming up that aren't involved with Valley Owl Roadrunners, but, um, our next one that you could do would be the Yao Valley 5k. I love the Yao Valley. Isn't love that a great race? It. Yeah. That was my favorite training run. I would run from the Maui news. I'd run down to the Harbor mm-hmm. and then from uh, lower Maine, I'd go up to the top of Yao and have my wife pick me up up there. Mm-hmm. I much prefer running up than down. Down is hard on the body. I'm uh, completely opposite of you, Matt. I love running downhill. It's the uphills that get me. Yeah. So after you um, ran a marathon, a couple marathons, how was your perspective when you were out there? What kind of shots were you looking for? Did you have a whole new perspective out there when you were looking for uh, a nice photo during a marathon? And what, what did you look for? I think I had a better feeling for what the, the runners were going through. And, you know, splits and, and whatnot. Um, but I don't know that it changed the way I cover them. I just had more of an understanding of what these people were going through. The marathon is, the Maui Marathon in particular, is a really hard race to cover because they're running away from the sun. They're in the, their faces are in the shade almost the whole race. Usually try to get around the poly by sunrise. And that's usually when the, the leaders come through the, the, uh, the poly tunnels right around sunrise. Right. Yeah, you know, the the group shot at the beginning is always a cool shot. Everybody looks so fresh and they're, yeah. they're ready to go. And you got some some guys that no way they're going to be at the front at the, you know, when this 26 miles is done. But, you know, they're right up there running at the beginning. And that was one of the things I took away from my, especially my second run. I, I went out way too fast. And that That is the problem with every single runner, including myself, being you know, 101 marathons, I would say that I should have learned and I keep doing the same thing when I was doing these things. I would go out and I would run fast. I always had this mental block in my head. I had to get through the first half marathon in a decent time so I could bank time on the second half. But that's the whole wrong approach to these things because you want to take it easy so you have more energy at the end. And I never really negative split any of these. And it's because of that that approach. And I never learned. Never. Both uh, my marathons that I ran to, they, uh, it was windy days. And so you get across that, you're going across the central Valley, the wind's pushing you. And after you kind of crest the hill there, you're going downhill all the way to Mount So it's really easy to get, to get going faster than you, 
you should be. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then the poly sort of brings you back to reality going through there. And it does, but you know, it's not as bad as what, uh, when you're driving it, people think that it's a, it's really a, a tough hill set of hills to go over. And it's not really that bad primarily because they're rollers. You get up to the peak at the one and then you got a little bit of downhill and then you get to the next one and go up. I think there's a series of seven that you from Malaya to the tunnels and then you, you know, you go your descent and then, then it's the death march across the wide open exposed stretch all the way to Olawalu. Yeah. And the wind, when the side wind was trying to blow us into the ocean and then that was, um, in 2000, I think they had just finished sugarcane. So the fields were all, it was a dust storm. It was a big dust storm that day. Yeah, it was, it was kind of rough conditions on the 2000 race, I remember. I was, uh, I ran that one. That was my introduction to Maui. That's the, only, the first time that I was ever on Maui and I did the 2000 Maui Marathon when I was doing the 50 states. So there we were in high school. We didn't know each other. We're marathon and we didn't know each other. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> we, we, we didn't. But uh, it was a wonderful experience when I came out here and just fell in love with the island at that time and, you know, came out every year after that. They called it the run with the whales back then. It was a spring race. Yeah, it was in March. March. And it was, uh, you really could see the whales while you're running. And I remember one, I'll tell you a quick little story. You know, you're supposed to do your, um, your 20 mile run, you know, before the, before you do your marathon or at least, you know, I guess guys that are really good, you do a full marathon, but I was doing my 20 miler. So, um, I got, you know, I did the, the, the 20 miler. I kept missing my wife. She was supposed to give me water and I got it to the, the, the whalers village and no, no money, no water. I went into like Baskin Robbins. I said, I need water, please. Mm. And they gave me a little tiny Dixie cup of water, drink that down. But we're, um, driving back home after that, that marathon or that 20 mile practice. And, uh, we saw a big whale breach there by um, Ukamehame, and uh, we pulled over. And my son was really young then, and uh, so he starts off, you know, like a Springer Spaniel going around the beach, just looking for stuff and whatever. And next thing you know, he got a fish hook in his arm. A p- fisherman went to cast and caught my son. Really? <laughs> so, so I, on rubber legs, I'm running down the beach to go help my son, and. Uh, He's surrounded by a bunch of drunk guys and he's got a fish hook in his arm oh, and they're man. trying to say, pull it out. No, push it out. I'm going, hey, bro, just back up, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Took in the emergency room. So we ended up being in the emergency room. You know how you go and there's, you're there for four or five hours. Right. So that was my 20-mile uh, run. I never forget that. Nice. Well, you know, you always have to have a memory when you're doing <laughs> your training runs and that's a great memory to have. And you actually were running the course, the actual course yeah. out here. Which is yeah, nice. I, I started a Molai or something and did the last twenty, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a that's a good route. And uh, where you were just mentioning, that's the, one of the exposed areas, but it's absolutely gorgeous because you got the ocean right on your left hand side that you see all the way over. I wish we could do it in March again. Uh, you know, in those that period of time because it is such a nice period, but. Um, it's such a big race now and Hawaii Tourism Authority, they provide us a grant and to be able to get that grant, they want it, they want you to put your event off tourism season. And now the island gets so packed 
January through March that to put on an event like ours, yeah. we just don't have the accommodations out here for, you know, 2,500 to 3,000 runners just don't have it. I got to say, you guys are doing a great job with the marathon. You know, I, I cover it and you know, you know, you've under your leadership, you guys have uh, expanded. You've got the, the 5k, the 10k, the half marathon, the marathon makes it crazy to try to take pictures at the finish line. But, you know, you've got all these people of different skill levels and they're all getting that Maui experience and the, the racing experience. And they, they're also happy. Um, you know, they got their family taking their pictures and they got their medal and yeah, it's a, and you're right. It's a better time of year to do it. We do the hotel rooms aren't as full, right? There's a lot more accommodations available. Makes makes economic sense for sure. And plus, don't you tie into the Honolulu Marathon now for training? No. You can do both, right? Well, yeah. The, the reason we moved it, we moved it from September to October because the Kauai Marathon is always on Labor Day weekend. Okay. And then it would be the Hana Relay right after the Kauai Marathon. And then the weekend after the Hana Relay would be the Maui Marathon. So that was just way too many races back to back. So we moved it to October. It's a little bit cooler out here. You know, a few degrees, but it is noticeably cooler to do the race. And then it pushes us away from Kauai and the Hana Relay. And it also provides enough time any, for anybody that wants to do Honolulu Marathon in December. You still have a two-month window there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, you know, they like to do our half marathon and then do the full oh, Honolulu okay. yeah. Marathon. Um, but... You know, for for a, a marathoner that's done a lot of marathons, that's a nice gap, two months. I think there's a good recovery period and you still go over and do the Honolulu Marathon. So it's worked out really well. We got a little bit of uh, backlash on it when we first moved it because people already had their vacation scheduled for September. Mm. And uh, but it, it's really come into its own now. It's um you know, and it's so fun to see all the people from really around the world. We get a lot of Japanese runners. We do. People from all over the mainland. You know, 19 over, countries. 19 countries. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, you know, people, they they come to this island and they almost all of them are just pleased to be here. And, and they, with the, you know, the, the beauty. And so it's fun to share the island with all those people and to have them experience such a positive race and, and. Yeah, you guys do a really good job. You host people. And I think they feel welcome. Yeah, we're going to have Peter Segel at our run this year. Wait, wait, don't wait, tell wait, me. Wait, don't tell me. He uh, He's actually going to run the marathon. And he came out with a book called The Incomplete Book of Running, which is really awesome. I had him uh, earlier on in an episode did of the a podcast. Great, a great interview with him. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. He's, he's a good guy. He's going to be out here. He's going to talk at our expo and uh, he'll have a book signing and then do the race. So we're really excited to have him out here. You might have to get some extra seats. I think people on Maui are going to show up for this too. It's a, he's a, such a uh, talented, funny guy. He is. Yeah. We're, we're actually meeting uh, Monday with uh, Weston and we're going to start the PR machine on all that. Um, so let's segue a little bit away from the running. And now for our listeners out there who are wanting to come to Maui, maybe for the marathon or maybe for a vacation. You can stay with Jim. You can stay with Jim. can stay with Matt. He has more room than I do. <laughs> yeah. And he's a lot more fun. He, you know, he, he, he does a mean uh, barbecue 
Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you want to get fed, go to Matt's house. He's, he's got it all over there. Coldest ice in town. Yeah. For the beer. That's right. Soda, yeah. Exactly. And, uh, you want to golf, go, he's, he's like the, uh, the golf master on the island. <laughs> no, 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 no. All right. Okay. We'll back up yeah, on that. Yeah. Well, you do like golf. Um, <laughs> but let's, uh, let's, let's have some fun and, uh, and let's talk about the island a little bit and some of the stuff you've covered and, and get our listeners excited about Maui in general. Now, you've covered you cover every year a major PGA tournament and you have have uh, shot many, many, many famous golfers. Can you tell me some stories about the PGA event? Well, um, let's just um Reference the Masters. How fun was that to see Tiger? Oh right? my gosh! Yeah, he he won on Maui. He won a in a playoff with Ernie Els, which was one of the highlights for sure. Um, but you know, I've Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicklaus, Gary Player. Uh, they used to have the senior skins out here, the champion skins, and it was so fun to to watch those guys play. But through the years, yeah, the best the best come through you know come through Maui. We've got great golf courses here. Uh, the Kapalua Plantation course was built for to have the uh, the Tournament of Champions, and they've just a um, you know that's such a big layout. We've we have a, a fundraising golf tournament that we we do for Kalima Maui that Jim participates in. That we get uh, yeah, to play that's it. pretty about it. It just participates. participates in it. Yeah, <laughs> he and I both were <laughs> scramble team right. the, the bringing up the rear, but. Uh, it's an amazing course and so big and the views and, um, the, yeah, for a while, you know, one week a year, the, the golf world is right here on Maui. And, uh, we had Rory McIlroy played this last year. It's really fun to see him. He finished second, I think, to Xander Shoffley won this last tournament. It's fun to, to see those guys play. And, um, but we have, geez, we got the big basketball tournament. We had Duke play this year with Zion right. Williamson. He was, he came out here with the, and what a amazing player he was even then, you know, and this is just a freshman and finished strong too. This is a guy that blew out a sneaker during the game. Now going to the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have the Xterra, which is always fun. That's the world's best doing their thing. Um, cycle to the sun and run to the sun. We used to have the run to the sun. I don't know if we're going to bring that back. It's, it's, uh, it's in, in progress waiting for a couple more permits. And if the permits come through, it will come back. Um, but, uh, it's teetering on the permit Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, if you, if you're a golfer or you athletic, you love ocean sports or whatever, Maui is a good place to visit. And, uh, you know, as far as the ocean, it's, uh, be careful, be safe. It's can, can we get some big waves and, uh, we have, um, you know, you can, it can raise up and bite you if you're not careful. Well, we also like have jaws out there where we, there's some major surfing on the Island too, for professional surfers. We used to go down there, drive down to, you know, when the waves are big and there would be maybe <clears throat> two or three cars, you know, and there'd be Laird out there, Laird Hamilton or, some of the early guys windsurfing and uh, now it's just chaos. You can't even get down there. You got to walk down the roads. But it used to be, you know, it was a pineapple plantation right above Jaws was pineapple. And uh, you could just go down the pineapple roads. The company, the farm kept the roads up. And now they're, that they've stopped pineapple. The roads haven't been maintained. But yeah, that's another thing where we get, we get to see the world's best 
like you know Honolulu Bay, they got the women's uh, the season-ending women's surf tournament there. Yeah, Maui is you know we get great. We had the Maui Film Festival with uh, that's always fun for people to come in June. But you uh, you've shot a lot of celebrities while they've been out here, whether they've been in concert or the Maui Film Festival. You had a chance to get up and close and personal with them. Yeah, that's another thing with my job that, you know, they get a little um, access to these things and stuff. And the film festival, they've done a really good job with anticipating um, who's going to hit it big. And they've, um, you know, like uh, Brie Larson was was honored recently, isn't she? Uh, she's just in one of the, the um, Captain Marvel, I think, is what she's she is. Uh, um, yeah, a lot of great stars through the years have come through for sure. I'm a documentary guy. I love documentaries. I I have so many friends that binge watch shows and I just, I can't, not on this island. I want to be outside. I want to be doing things. I can't sit in front of the television and binge watch a series. I can't do it. You're not watching Game of Thrones? No, I'm not. I never watched one episode of Games of Game of Thrones. Everybody else has, <laughs> but I haven't. <laughs> oh, yeah, we are. So, uh, Matt, you got people are probably out there now going, man, he, he's got the best job on the planet. He lives on Maui. He gets to, you know, go out and meet meet famous people. But he also gets to go out and, and take pictures all the time on the island. That's kind of his job to get out there and get a nice picture and some stories. How do you what's your approach out there? How do you find pictures because I, I I look at the Maui news all the time I have it and uh, I always I think when we catch up with each other I tell you about a couple of pictures that I really like what, what's your day like what's Matt Thayer's day like here on the island of Maui when you're working well yesterday I was on the my day off and my wife was driving by Maui Meadows and said she saw heard explosions and saw flames and she called me and you know I threw some clothes on and quit my day off, went to work. But, um, I'll, you know, oftentimes I'll have assignments like today. I have them stacked up after this. I've, you know, I'll be busy until nine o'clock tonight. So I've, I have my day kind of planned out for me. And then there's other times when I don't have anything and I just go out looking for stuff and it's kind of hunting and, or fishing. I kind of equate it to going fishing. You can't go to the same fishing hole and get a fish every day. You won't, A, you won't have any fish anymore there at that spot. And in the newspaper, we can't run the same thing, you know, whether it's a skateboarding at a skateboard park or something. So I'll save that to a day when I'm, when they come in and say, we need a front page photo in a half hour. You got a half hour to take it. That's happened to me, you know, a story falls through or something. And so that's when I can go to that skate park and get a picture. And but so I'm always looking, I'm always looking for something that's different something that's, uh, that's Maui, you know, that's people. It's, you look at my photos, you know, 99% of them have people in them. So just a, sort of a celebration of, of people. And then, you know, you've got to be able to not only find the people, but have them let you take their photo and give you your right. name. We don't run photos without names. Do so, most people welcome you to take their photo or have you had people say, I, I really don't want my photo taken? I, I get that sometimes. People don't. You know, whether they're, you know, sometimes tourists are from maybe big cities or something like that, or maybe they think I'm, I'm selling or pitching something or they don't know. But it's amazing how so many people are like, oh, 
picture of the Maui News? Sure, I want to be in the Maui News. Mm-hmm. Or they, you know, their kid wants to be in the paper. They want to have their child in the paper. Um, and so, yeah, I'll just, you know, I'll see, you know, like say I'll go to the beach or something, I'll see a, a dad and a, his kids, uh, you know, making a sandcastle. So, you know, go up and interview and, or, you know, introduce myself. I'm Matt there. I work for the Maui News. Would you mind if I take some photos? Just act natural, you know, you know, you know, go for it. When I first started, the the kids would go crazy. They just, a camera was just make them go wild. Um, nowadays, every kid has been, had a camera in their face or a phone in their face since they were raised. They are so good at it. They understand reality TV. They understand. I tell them, just go back to doing what you're doing. And they do, they, they've got it. And so that affords me to be able to just, you know, work the, um, the situation, the angles, the light, the, uh, wait till I get something good. You know, I tell young photographers, if you don't think you got it, you didn't get it. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, and if you think you did get it, that doesn't mean you got it either, but maybe. You right. Did. So it's about um, putting yourself in the right place, gaining the trust of the, of the, your subjects. And that's a two way street too. Um, you know, when I take pictures of people, if they're, they're going to give me that trust, I'm not going to like run something of them where they're halfway through a sneeze or something. You know, they, they put their trust in me. I'm going to make them look, you know, not bad, not put them in bad light. But as a reader in a, of the newspaper, those make me feel good. When I see one of your pictures of somebody you just found out there on the beach or wherever and they're just having a nice time, whether they're on vacation or they live here and they're just enjoying some off time. Makes me feel good. That's really what these, this island's all about. I think so. And they've, um, you know, part of my job is to ask them a few questions. So to get a gist of what they're, what they're doing. And it always amazes me how people will, um, you know, I jump into their life. They were, they weren't expecting to be interviewed by the media, you know, and, you know, sometimes people, they've might, have have trouble coming up with something to say, but a lot of times they're so spot on and they've got a, you know, they've, you know, like, uh, you know, some people, they just go on and on. Like I, I tell them you're a quote machine. You know, I, I can't keep up with all the good things you're saying, but they, they're, they, as I've said, you know, they're happy to be here on Maui, you know, generally. And, uh, they think the you know, being in the paper would be kind of a cool thing. And, uh, so it's really a positive for me. I'm, I'm not selling anything. I'm not trying to make them do anything they don't want to do. And uh, the only people that don't get to choose, you know, when I go to court, you know, those people don't get to say they don't want to have their picture taken. Right. But, you know, if somebody says, no, I don't want my shot taken, then that's fine. I'll, like when I covered the fire yesterday, um, I took pictures of the homeowner, but I didn't give them to the paper. I uh, I talked to him. I said, you know, I've yeah, I'd already talked to him you know, before that. And he, and I, you know, told him I was from the paper B- before I left. I said, you know, I asked him if I could interview him and he said he didn't want to talk yet. I respected that. It's gotta yeah. be tough when your home's, uh, you know, burning down and to try to do an interview. That's, I always noticed that on uh, national news when there's a tragedy and, and they really try to talk to the person that just went through that tragedy and, I know it's a necessary thing because people want to know, but on the other hand, it's got to be really tough. I walked away from that yesterday thinking, oh man, I, you know, I should, I should, I wish I could have got his name or, you know, there were some two residents that they brought out that, um, look kind of traumatized, you know, but I, 
you know, you it's called re-victimizing the victim. Right. And it's not worth it it's for that little stuff. I had good pictures. You know, I would have had maybe a little better pictures or maybe more complete coverage if I could have gotten his name. But, you know, I just, I told him, I'm really sorry for your loss. And, uh, you know, I wish you the best. Your house, you guys will be, you're going to be okay. And, uh, and left him. And, you know, I, yeah, you see these, you know, the, the, the mainland journalists that stick their microphones in people's faces when they're crying right. and stuff. And, um, and I'd, I'm glad I don't have to do that. Yeah, that would be a tough job. One of the, that's one of the things about working for the Maui News, working for a small town newspaper like this, is I'm oftentimes the only journalist at an event. It gives me the opportunity to be, as I mentioned before, a little patient and respectful because I'm not watching Channel 2 get the shot that I'm not getting. Right. You know, you... And that's, that's where you get a lot of this, where you think of, you know, you hear about all oh, the media's, you know, rude or, uh, you know, they don't have uh, sensitivity. You, you get these pack mentality of, of, of journalists in the, in the big cities and stuff when they're covering something and they're, and they really want to beat the other guy. It's a competitive business. Right. It's very competitive with photographers. We, we're like dogs out there. Yeah. We're competing with each other. But when you're the only guy there, um, and you know, trusted guy too. Yeah. And I got a reputation on the Island that's, you know, is important. There's a, a reason why the fire guys and the police let me get as close as I did yesterday. You know, you just, you, you give people their space and you, you pick your battles. If it was, you know, 10 dead and you know, that sounds awful, but it, that would, that would ratchet up the importance of the story. Right. And uh, then you've got to make choices. And we've always, you know, you know, the reality is we've, we know that, you know, the journalism, you can take the photo and then decide not to use it. That's like I mentioned, I had the guy's photo. He's talking on his phone and, and, and talking to a policeman. But we can decide later not to use it. Right. You know, if you don't take the shot, then there's no, there's no truth. I think you got a shot there. back in July, right around July 4th over in Kihei when the couple houses caught on fire. Oh, yeah. And one of the owners, I think you, you were able to get that shot. And uh, uh, that I saw in the paper. That was sad. And it's right behind my friend's house, too. Yeah, I had a shot of a, of a young woman sitting on a, a fire hose. You know, they're hard, they're charged fire hose and with a dog comforting this really traumatized dog hugging the dog and she's looking really sad. Yeah, that was a, that was a powerful picture. And you know, she was okay with having her picture in the paper. Yeah. You victimized me by the way. Oh yeah. When you're running your no. 99th or. Oh no, 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 no. It had nothing to do with running. I appreciate those pictures. Those were awesome. And it was, I think it wasn't the 99th. It was a, 80th or something like that, 85th or 86th. But oh, well, when you do a hundred. But besides that, I'll blend I'm a, I'm in my office one day and I get this text. Hey, I saw your picture in the paper, and I'm going for what? Oh, for golf. It was at the the last year when I putted, and I that was the only shot that I made in the entire thing. And you caught it on camera, and Steve and I were high fiving each other. <laughs> And I'm going, I'm not a golfer. 
Do you know how much I went up to the golf course in Wailea? Do you know how much I got on that? Because they knew I wasn't a golfer. And they're going, how did you get in the paper? You're not even a golfer. And I, you know, it was this victory shot, this awesome victory shot. So I I guess I wasn't victimized. No, I don't think that's being victimized. (laughs) Hey, let's, we can, you know, let's give a plug to Kalimo Maui. We, every year we do a fundraising golf tournament for Kalimo Maui, which is a nonprofit agency on Maui that provides job training and placement for handicapped adults. Yeah. And so we play a marathon golf tournament over a weekend and, uh, raise money for Kalima. And, uh, if anybody's looking for somebody that they, you know, an agency they'd like to help out, Kalima is an awesome. Kalima I'll put Maui. it in the show notes. I'll put a link okay. to it in the show notes. Yeah. Now, um, you know, closing us out here pretty quickly, you're a writer. You are an author, a published author. And uh, tell me a little bit about your books because they're sci-fi books and uh, they're pretty, pretty awesome. They're a series. Oh, yeah. I, it's, um, it's my strange addiction, writing. I just, I've, uh, it's hard to take my mind off it. I'm, um, I have five books in the 30,000 BC Chronicles series at this point. It's a um, time travel science expedition that's ship direct in the Paleolithic 30,000 BC. And they, uh, they leave an earth in 2200. That is the atmosphere is thinning. The, the, there's droughts. People are moving to the, to the poles or moving northward because the, the band around the equator is drying out. Um, there's been war and famine and wars over water. And they go back to this pristine world where man has had very little impact at all. And, uh, they might have, they're sent back with all kinds of rules about not interfering with uh, local man or the, you know, the native culture and uh, maybe disrupting the future. And, uh, but as their modern tools and weapons turn to dust and they turn against each other, um, they end up gravitating to the clans. It's the only way they can survive. And so it's sort of a romp around Europe. And um, I draw upon a lot of the things that I've um, human nature. I think that, you know, um, like I said, I kind of have to anticipate where to get my pictures. And I've done a study. I study human nature and I sit through these murder trials and see these, you know, people at their highest and their lowest. And I think that the, um, you know, the comfort of a warm bed uh, or the, the sorrow of a loss of a loved one, you know, those emotions transcend time, whether it's uh, in our future or our past. Those those things are that's a human uh you know, emotion and nature that, that, that doesn't change. So kind of draw on a lot of the, the things uh, that I've experienced and seen about what, you know, what people um, are capable of, the, the generosity and the love, as well as the, the absolute wretched behavior that we're capable of. And um, so I've actually sold, sold books all over the world and um, they're available on Amazon. Um, it's a sort of a treatise on life and, um, ethics and love and, um, and then I'm working on another book that I'm almost done with. It's, it's completely different. It's set in 1980s Honolulu and it's about a, um, small newspaper staff that hooks onto three big news stories all in the same issue and, uh, they get deadly pushback. And that's a lot of fun. I've had a lot of, uh, 
my experiences and my, my, my coworkers, my long career in the paper, I've seen a lot of and heard a lot of journalism stories and stuff. And so I've managed to put a lot of that in there. And, uh, so that book is going to be published in the next month or two. Nice. You're, you're a really good writer and, you know, I really suggest people check out your series that you have because it's very good series and, uh, you know, it should be, it should be well more, much more well known than what it is. I know it's a tough, tough sell out there to, to write a book and to have people, you know, actually pick it up and read it. Um, you have to find your genre and you have to find that audience. And so, you know, maybe maybe we can push some some people to read your stuff because it's great stuff. That would be awesome. I, um, I yeah, people seem to really enjoy it. And uh, also, you know, I would mention to people that, um, if they, they do like it, like, and if they also like your, um, your podcast, you cannot imagine the power of what a review or a good rating does for an author or for a podcaster. Right. So, uh, if you guys are liking what you're hearing, uh, you know, to go on Stitcher or, uh, you know, the other places where you're available and Apple podcast, Apple podcast yeah. and do a good review. You can help Jim more than you could ever imagine. And vice versa with yourself with 30,000 BC Chronicles. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes for it and go check that out. Cause it's awesome. Now you, you did, and we'll wrap it up here real quick, but I, I wanted to ask you, you, uh, you did a nice, uh, news feature on, uh, Italy, your trip to Italy and it was in the newspaper. I wanted to ask you though, in your trips to Europe, have you gone to Notre Dame and, and seen? Oh, what a shame. What a sad, yes, we've been there twice, mm -hmm. hiked up the stairs, up to the top of the towers. And, uh, um, you know, it was the first time we went, um, uh, Kelly and I, it was, it was not, there weren't very many, many people there. The next year we or the next time we went, we took the kids and uh, it was jam packed with people. It was summertime and the, and it was so but people just love that uh, Notre Dame and even going around like, you know, you think of the front facade, but the flying buttresses on the back of the building. And it was just such an architectural marvel. Um so old and so it's such a touchstone for France. My 1600s, wasn't it? It was built 1200s. 1200s. Oh my. I think it was the 12th century is built in the 1100s. Yeah. But it, um, the, you know, my heart goes out to the people of France and I'm really glad that it wasn't an act of terrorism. Um, they sounds like they're going to rebuild and they're going to, they did a good job of getting a lot of the relics and the, the artwork out of there. Uh, you know, the, the, the French people, the, the first responders and the, the priests and whatnot, they really responded. It's, um, everybody's nightmare. I was following it uh, when it happened. And I know there was a period in there. They said the next hour is so critical where it could, went one way or the other. And they must have did a phenomenal job because they, they saved from total destruction and saved a lot of the, a lot of the artwork and everything else. I, didn't uh, the the uh, president say he wants to uh, have a five year period to have it rebuilt? But some are saying it might take 10, 15 years to rebuild it. I think something like that. Yeah. It yeah. take 200 years to build. 
something. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm really glad you had a chance to see that. I wanted to ask you about that because I know you've been to Europe quite a bit and I figured you probably have been there. I wrote a story about, um, we had, when we took the kids on that trip, um, I kind of wrote a, a, a dig at Paris. We, we were treated so well all over Europe, Italy, uh, Ireland, Scotland, uh, everybody was just so nice to us and our kids. And in Paris, you know, they lived up to the reputation of kind of being hard ass and, and not being very friendly. And so I, um, I came back and wrote a very tongue in cheek story about uh, how rude people in Paris were and stuff. And, uh, it was probably, I got more, uh, feedback from people either, you know, writing letters to the others saying how Mr. Thayer obviously doesn't get it or, yeah, right. then, or, you know, people agreeing with me, but, uh, uh, yeah, that was what, you know, that's one of the things working for an, uh, a daily newspaper. You can just, you know, you, you can write stuff like that and crank it out and the editors will run it. And, uh, yeah, that was fun. And, you know, I, I mean, Paris is an amazing, it's the best food we've ever had. It's some of the most beautiful things we've seen, but the people are, are tough. And if you, you know, you, you cross them or they, they, um, have no problem calling you out, you know, <laughs> being mean to you. Yeah. And, uh, but, um, yeah, I think, you know, it's probably as you, you get over love, there's too many people and you get squeezed and, can, hopefully our aloha here on Maui doesn't get squeezed like that too. Yeah. It's growing out here. A lot of construction going on right now. We'll see how that works out. Um, it's on my bucket list to go to Europe. I'd love to go there sometime. Oh, you should go run a, run a few marathons. I should. Or something like uh, that. I yeah. got a couple over there. Um, but I'm done with the marathon, so it has to be a half marathon or less. Okay. Um Anything you want to say to our classmates? We got a reunion coming up next year. This is our classmates from Harbor Creek, Pennsylvania, and I'm sure some of them will listen. If they can still hear, they might have hearing aids now. <laughs> uh, I'd like to send my aloha to my classmates and yeah. everybody back there in Erie, Pennsylvania. And uh, yeah, it's a, I mean, we grew up on a body of water that's like an ocean. It is. We see across it. We could. Well, yeah. It got a little cold in the wintertime. A little yeah. bit of snow, like a lot of bit of snow. Yeah. No, I, I'm still in touch. My editor, my book editor lives in um, Moreheadville, okay. just near Harbor Creek. Right. And uh, Cindy Moorhead is actually yeah. uh, her name. And um, yeah, I've, I still follow the weather back there in Erie. And um, yeah, I just send my aloha. Yeah. And there's also Facebook and we see some of our classmates that are on that and um, I had a chance to go to the last reunion and had a really nice time. It was actually a, a, the best reunion that I've ever been to uh, for our class. It was, we had so much fun. There was a golf tournament and uh, I got a chance to see some of all our old classmates and hang out with them. And even our, uh, our dinner, our, it wasn't really formal this time. It was really relaxed down, um, it was down by the bay at a restaurant down there and it was really nice. I, I can say that I enjoyed that. Am I going to go to the next one next year? Are you? I doubt it. Oh, are you? Uh, I don't know yet. You're not committing. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I just, uh, I just committed myself to not go, but no, I don't think I'm going to get there. So, hey, it is what it is. What are you going to do? Well, Matt, I want to, first of all, thank you for coming on today. Good friend, 
we have good times together out here. Um, I want to thank you on a, on another end for all the coverage you give us for Valley Isle Roadrunners and the Maui Marathon. You do such a good job for us and we, we really appreciate it. We got to know Holowahini coming up on Mother's Day. Right, yeah. Um, and, uh, I just wish you a lot of luck and I wish luck for the newspaper out here. I know they're trimming down all the newspapers now. So I hope it continues. We need it out here. And those of you who are listening, you can go online to the Maui News. I'll have a link also. And you can kind of keep up with what's going on out here and see all of Matt's pictures. Um, is there any other, anything else you would like to say? Uh, any Anything that we didn't well, cover? Well, you know, I think that the, um, you, you mentioned the newspapers across the country. Um, you know, we're, this is a time when, um, they're, they are having hard times. We are having hard times, but I don't think that we are, there's as much news to cover as there ever was. And the importance of having good quality information that's fact-checked, that has people standing behind it is more, is so important. There's a lot of information out there that is, you know, half truths or out and out lies, um, people that are taking sides and, and, um, you know, a, I think a true journalist is, is tries, it's the, it's to try to get the truth and to, and to put that truth in people's hands. Um, so, you know, support your local newspapers if you, as you can, um, and be discerning how you, how you digest their news. Is it opinion or is it something that is, can you tell, has it been fact-checked? Is there, um, you know, another thing about newspapers is when we get it wrong, we get it right the next day. Well, and we'll get it right on our website. You know, sometimes you, there's websites you have stuff that was wrong when they printed it, and it's going to be wrong forever. Right. So, I've been very fortunate to have my this long career with the newspaper and still going. Uh, I do believe that I have the best job in the world. Oh. I have to thank the people of Maui for that because of their aloha. That, and their welcoming nature to me to let me do my job. Um, so I just, you know, thanks to the, to the Maui and its people. And thanks to you, Jim, for having me on. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm, uh, uh, as I said, we stand on the shoulders of the journalists that came before us. And, uh, the, 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 and there also there's new young storytellers that are coming up that are so talented people at the paper, People I work with, Lee Mata, he runs the ship. But we got great young reporters, Colleen Uechi. We got a new girl, Dakota Grossman, who just started and she's doing great. And Melissa Tanji, uh, Lila Fujimoto, Keha Cerizo, um, the sports guys, Rob Colius and Stephanie Nakasone. Just really honored to work with such talented, committed people that um, they really care about the island and they care about getting it right. And, um, and, you know, not only entertaining people, but educating them too. Right. So I'm, thank you readers and, uh, for, for, you know, make paying the way so that I get to have this great job for so long. I've, I've truly blessed. Yeah, you are truly blessed. We all are who live here on Maui and hopefully our listeners that don't have the opportunity to, to come out here or whatever, um, will understand that it's a, it's a beautiful place and we're all f very fortunate to be here. It's not something it, that is ever taken for granted, but, uh, it is a beautiful place. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, it comes with a price. A lot of people are working two and three jobs, mm -hmm. me included. And, uh, you, uh, 
you, know, you got to hustle to be here. And, uh, but it, it, there's the payoff every morning you wake up and you're in, on Maui. Especially in January when you see what's going on on the mainland with all the snow and <laughs> cold and, you know, these bomb cyclones that I got stuck in in Denver a few weeks ago when I was there. And uh, here, shorts, T-shirts, just enjoying time, you know. Enjoying life. And we look good for our age. You know, you're 102. I'm, I'm 103 and we look great. Yeah. I didn't know that. It's just like warp time or something. We go into a black hole and I get older. Yeah. 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 You <laughs> Cause I'm only 29. Oh, oh, you went reverse. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I have a maturity level of 18. Yeah. Well, I always had a maturity level of 18. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. Aloha, brother. Well, that was a good conversation with Matt, and I really hope you enjoyed it. He is such a talented, knowledgeable, and professional guy, and I'm so proud to have him as a friend. We recorded our conversation just prior to Mother's Day. Now, a couple of follow-up items. The run to the sun this year will not happen. One of the critical permits did not come through, and we were very disappointed about that. It would have been the first time that would have been put on in 10 years. Also, I need to learn how to pronounce names. Now, I said Notre Dame. It's not Notre Dame. It's Notre Dame. Notre Dame. I am definitely not a professional at this stuff, but hopefully as I produce more episodes for you folks, I'll get better. Who knows? So be sure to check out all of the show notes of feelgoodrunning.com. There are some links for Matt, including his picture of Aloha Airlines Flight 243 plane and a link to 30,000 BC Chronicles, the five book series that he wrote. Well, it was certainly a pleasure to have Matt on this episode. And again, I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. Here is a running quote to keep you inspired and feeling good. All right, runners, what would feel good running be without the running quote of the episode, right? So since you can get out of the house and run outside most of the summer, I think this quote fits in appropriately. And it comes from long distance runner Katie Mackey. It goes like this. I love running because it's the one thing I do every day and never regret. Let me read that again. I love running because it's the one thing I do every day and never regret. Hmm, that is so true and definitely true for John Sutherland, who never missed a day of running for 50 years about that. Congrats to him again. Well, runners, that is it for this episode. You know, I would really appreciate feedback on how you like this podcast, and you can do so by going to feelgoodrunning.com and leaving a comment. You can even record a message by clicking on the orange tab on the right side of every page. You have three minutes to leave a message, and who knows, might play it on a future episode. You know, this podcast is for you, and in order to make this podcast something that you really enjoy, I rely on your comments and suggestions, so thank you. You know, it's been a busy month, and I'm trying to get caught up, so be patient as I build the show and bring you more episodes on a more consistent basis. And if you can do me a favor and share this podcast with your running friends and on social media, it will help a great deal and be so appreciated by me. So until next episode, remember, just show up and always, always feel good about your running. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Please consider sharing this podcast with your running friends and spread the feel good running vibe around you. 
Head over to feelgoodrunning.com to access all the links and resources mentioned on the show. Until next time, keep motivated, keep focused, and keep on running. It is sure to make you, well, feel good.